Welcome to a podcast by Lawson Heights Alliance Church. Today, we're beginning a new series called A Song to Live By. And today's message is called Shout. May God bless you as you listen. Well, it is May 1st, and I think we finally found spring. It was hiding under a rock somewhere. Isn't that good news to see all that out there? And so this is a great time for a new theme, too. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be unwrapping a single psalm. Psalm 100 is a fairly short psalm. In fact, some commentators have even wondered whether or not it was ever really fully completed. Some even thought maybe it was sort of a little bit of has been lost over time. But I think it's as, it's as complete as it needs to be because this is God's word. But the book of Psalms is a unique book in our Bibles. It's actually a collection of 150 Hebrew poems that were collected over a long period of time, many of which were written to be sung, to be sung in God's house. And many of which are also written by King David, who knew well from his shepherd days what it was like to sing songs of praise in the fields. Some of the psalms even tell us how to sing them and what instruments to use while we do. They were eventually compiled into five sections of books, uh, each with their own particular central theme to them. The first two books uh, are from Psalm 1 to Psalm 72, and they explore the problematic story of King David and his royal family. The third book, Psalms 73 to 89, focus on the failure of the Davidic dynasty and also of the tragedy of Israel's exile. But books 4 and 5, Psalm 90 to 150, prophetically anticipate the arrival of God's Messiah, a new temple, a new heaven and new earth, and the restoration of the kingdom of God after Israel's exile. Psalms 47, 93, and 96 to 100 are known as the royal psalms or the enthronement psalms. And Psalm 100, which is going to be the subject of our study over the next few weeks, is one of those enthronement psalms. That appears in section, uh, or book four, and is basically a prophetically or post-exilic and messianic in nature kind of a book. Psalm 100, though, is a bit different than the rest of the enthronement psalms, as there is no mention of a throne or of the reign of God or Yahweh uh, as God's people knew him. And because of that, some commentators have suggested that Psalm 100, the 100th Psalm, is a bit of a doxology. Now, a doxology is a type of song that concludes a time of worship. And it could be. I don't argue with that. But it, it, does, it does seem to fit our modern-day doxological uh, kind of an approach. In fact, back in, in the 1950s, or sorry, the 1500s, a tune known as Old Hundredth. Anybody familiar with that one? Old Hundredth. If you do, it's dating you, okay? Old Hundredth from the 1500s became known as the famous hymn, All People That on Earth Do Dwell. Do you know that one? Some of you do. Today, you would be familiar with the tune as it is the tune of the traditional doxology, which is taken from the very last verse of the psalm. Join me in that doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. 
Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Wow, we're kicking it a cappella style, eh? That sounded awesome. And as we sing it, it sounds doxological, and it is, and we use it in that context. But when I read the whole psalm, to me, it sounds more like a call to worship. We're going to be looking at that as we go along. I think it's meant to call forth a specific response from the previous psalms that focused on the reign and the supremacy of God. In fact, when you read verse 1, there is a universal summons in there to all the earth to join this joyful song to the Lord. It says, Psalm 100, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us. We are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. You don't, you don't exit, you enter. That's why I think this is called to worship. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Amen. Now there's only five short verses here in this psalm. But these verses are pronounced by some pretty clear, specific calls to action. Listen to the verbs. There's shout for joy. There's know that the Lord is good, or is God, and enter his gates with thanksgiving. So shout, know, and enter. And these commanding actions are meant to be responsive to the last verse. Verse 5 says, for, in other words, it is because, for the Lord is good. And his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. You know, we've just come through a three-month series on the kingdom of God. And much like the enthronement psalms prior to Psalm 100, they, which celebrate Yahweh as king over all, I see Psalm 100 as a kind of call to worship for us who have just learned the same theme over the last number of months. So I want us to see how each commanding verb, shout, know, and enter, can and should be our response to what we have just learned in the last three months, that the Lord is King Most High. Amen? Psalm 100, verses 1 and 2. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful song. Verse 1 brings us to our first point for today. Number one, shout, why don't you? Shout, why don't you? Verse 1, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Now, your translation might begin with, make a joyful noise to the Lord. But the phrase, shout for joy in the NIV, and the phrase, make a joyful noise to the Lord, is in, this, uh, is in the ESV and the King James Version, is actually just one word in the original Hebrew. And it means to shout. The same Hebrew word in other parts of Scripture translates the word as shout. It's not just a noise, it's a shout kind of a noise. So the Hebrew word means, sort of in its context, to raise the battle cry. Like an army raising their voices, even kind of like pumping their cheers out, shouting out the triumph of their king. And this is a Hebrew verb, meaning that it is meant to be active. 
It's not something you can do with your, just within your head, with your hands folded in your lap. You are meant to engage with it with your whole body. This is a Saskatchewan Rough Riders game-winning touchdown. Stand to your feet, raise your fist to the sky, and top at the top of your lungs, cheer out that kind of a shout. There's nothing conservative or poised about this call to shout. It means you don't hold nothing back. And this commanded praise response is to the king of all the earth. And in many other places in the Psalms, it's frequently used that way. Fourteen times the psalmist tells humanity to shout for joy to the Lord. Nine times it says, shout, to joy, uh, shout for joy to the Lord in other parts. Psalm 98, for instance, verses 4 to 6, which is an enthronement psalm, says this, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with a harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of a ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Have you ever tried to shout, uh, outshout a ram's horn or a trumpet? I bet you couldn't do it. I wish we had somebody here that knew how to play one. We could see if we could do it. But that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about maxing out the volume on a roof-raising kind of shout of praise. And according to the psalmist, that shout to the Lord is marked with joy. Unbridled, noisy joy. Love it. I mean, when the king is reigning on the throne, isn't there joy in the kingdom? Of course there is. When the king is reigning on the throne, there will be joy in the kingdom. And I think we're finally getting that here at Lawson. Uh, When we sing our praises to the Lord, you're pretty okay with being a little loud about it. And I love that. And that's great. It has nothing to do with being charismatic, by the way. It has everything to do with you just finding your joy in the Lord God Almighty. So it's totally cool to get a little, even a lot, noisy on a Sunday for the Lord. Now, I know that there is a few of you who are still among the frozen chosen who have a little reluctance and you're still a little rigid in your expression towards the Lord. You're, you, you maybe are even a little leery about raising your hands, much less your voices. But let me help you to loosen up a bit. A bunch of us men are going on a fishing trip in a couple of weeks here, at the, uh, in June actually. And you can bet that the first catch of every boat, we're going to be cheering and shouting for joy, high-fiving each other. And this is over stinky, slimy lake trout, or lake uh, pike. Come on. Now just transfer that freedom to the pew, or the couch if you're online. Isn't the Lord greater than a stinky fish? Your kid brings home a stellar report card. How do you respond? Well, Junior, hands in your lap here. Well, Junior, I must say that um, that was a very worthy report card. And uh, you deserve a big hurrah for that today. Congratulations. How do you think your kid's going to respond? Not well. They're going to look at you sideways and wonder if maybe it's time for a home. But... It's not what's going to happen. You're going to be high-fiving your kids, shooting out and shouting out some praises of them. You might even take them out for dinner or or a restaurant. Okay, you young people, you can pay me later for that one later, okay? (laughs) 
Have you ever been to a Montana's restaurant? Yeah? And somebody gets a shout-out for their birthday, right? Nobody turns down wearing moose antlers, of all things, right? But you wear them, don't you? You wear them, and the whole restaurant is smiling, and they're laughing at you, and they're singing their praises of you by singing happy birthday to you. Are you getting what I'm saying here? Are you getting what I'm saying? Friends, let me show you something else about this shout for joy to the Lord. The shout is also missional and evangelistic. Psalm 100 verse 1, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Does all the earth yet shout for joy to the Lord? No. But one day it will, right? When every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, right? One day it will. So this psalm is addressed to all the earth. And in other words, let everyone hear how awesome our king is and to join in in that celebration of him. How else will the praise of our God reach out to every corner of the globe unless those who are overjoyed with the king shout out their praises of him? As scholar W. Dennis Tucker states in his commentary on the Psalms, he says, there might be something wrong in our hearts if our praise does not reflect the powerful, joy-filled, vivid, vibrant worship of Psalm 100. Psalm 100 stands as a challenge to all of us. Not only that, he suggests if we're not willing to shout with joy to the Lord, like in here, when, then quite likely we will not be willing to brag about the Lord to others in public. Friends, are you willing to brag about your king to the people in your life network to share the joy of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with them? What if, no matter where you go this week, whether it's to the store or to school or to work or to the cafe or wherever, whatever it is, no matter where you go, that you make a point of declaring your joy in the Lord to every person you meet. A similar idea came up at our men's uh, Bible study on Thursday. Seven of us meet every Thursday to travel through the Gospel of John together, and we're, we're in chapter 17 right now, and we're in Jesus' high priestly prayer for his disciples. And, and I had this idea as my obey part. We always end with, how are we going to obey the word to, this week? And my idea for my obey this week was, you know, what if everywhere that I go, like, I go to a lot of hospitals and daycares. I'm in and out of those quite regularly. And when I go to the door, because of COVID, there is usually a check-in kind of a procedure still. And normally they ask, okay, who are you here to see? And normally I would say, well, I'm here to see so-and-so. Then they check off my name, and I go in, and I have a visit. But what if instead I said, well, it just so happens that I'm here to see you today, and to tell you about Jesus and how awesome he is, that he loves you and he wants to include you in the joy of his eternal life. And if you will commit yourself to him today, you can experience that joy. And after I help you with that, I'd like to see someone else, please. Could you be that out loud about your faith in God and greet everyone that you meet as if you were on assignment to, to the, from the Lord to let everyone know that your king reigns and that he has included you in the joy of his kingdom and, you, and they can be included in that joy too? What if you believe that that was your daily assignment? Who wouldn't you tell? 
Psalm 100, shout for joy to all the earth. It's meant to be evangelistic, our praise, our worship of God. The Lord wants all the earth to be included in his ruckus joy over him. Number two, point number two. Our worship is our loyalty. Our worship is our loyalty. Verse two, worship the Lord with gladness. Now, some of your translations will say, serve the Lord with gladness. The Hebrew word is abad, and it generally means to serve, to enslave, or to work. And it appears about 290 times throughout the Old Testament, but it also is used to describe a particular kind of loyalty to the Lord. Exodus chapter 3, for instance, verse 12, it says, When you have brought the people of, out of Egypt, you shall abad, serve God on this mountain. How were the people of Israel supposed to serve God on a mountain? Well, it actually means worship the Lord, to be loyal to the Lord on that mountain. There's no ushers seating people around the mountain. There's not that kind of ministry taking place. There, there's no soup kitchens where they're serving people day in and day out. We're talking about worship loyalty here. That's the kind of service it is. That's how we serve the Lord and Him only, with our life. It's a life loyalty. Deuteronomy 6, verses 14 to 15, this is from the ESV, because the NIV translates it worship, is, and it's a little variation on the word. It says, you shall not abad, go after, doesn't say serve, it says go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God. The go after Abad or other gods means to seek them, not to seek them or to pursue them, but to serve and to seek and to worship and to ascribe loyalty only to the God of Israel. Deuteronomy 11, verse 13 to 14. And if you will indeed obey my commandments that I have commanded you today to love the Lord your God and to Abad, serve him with all your heart, with all your soul. He will give the rain for your land. When you bring obedience and serving together, you're describing one's loyalty to God. Like the Hebrew Shema, which this is a shortened expression of. He's talking about serving as a pledge of loyalty. Whom do you serve? This is a worship fidelity kind of a part of Scripture. And that's why a few translations like the NIV, and I'm not making a big case for the NIV being better, it's, it's not. They're all good translations. The New International Version, though, translates this word abad as worship rather than serve because of the particular idea that it brings across. We think in our heads serving as in a ministry. He's, they're think, this, the writer is thinking in terms of who do you worship? Who are you loyal to? So in terms of what Psalm 100 is, it's part of the enthronement psalms, right? So this service, this abad, is about who you serve, who you're loyal to, to who you're loyal to, which God do you pursue, who is your God? And the defining mark of this service or this worship or our loyalty is what? Gladness. We do not worship or serve the Lord grudgingly or out of obligation, we serve him gladly. We serve and we worship the Lord out of gladness because he alone 
is the redeeming, restoring God that we sang about earlier. There is something in there for sure that we can be glad about. Amen? He's good. And when you come to church on Sundays, we know that not everyone comes with a gladness in a gladness headspace or heart space. We know that stuff happens in this world where you might actually come to church discouraged, lonely, troubled, or stressed. And so the second part of verse 2 of Psalm 100 may seem tough, this whole gladness thing. It may seem tough to worship the Lord with gladness. It may even seem impossible to you when you step foot in here on a Sunday, when you first arrive. But friends, understand that we have spent time and prayer preparing for your arrival on Sundays. We really have. We've oriented the service and the, and the songs to help you get to where you want to be in your heart and in your head towards the Lord. Because see, we know from God's word, and this is our third point, how we approach God is important. How we approach God is important. Verse 2 is the second part. Come before him with joyful songs. Come before him with joyful songs. You know what? Psalm 100 is not a pull yourself out of the slump kind of a psalm. As if all you had to do was come to church and all your troubles will be dealt with. But there is something about coming to church that's important to this psalm. Psalm 100 is, is a north star kind of a psalm. You know what the north star is? It's sort of the guiding star of the night. It, it, meant, it means it's meant to point us to God, to help us keep our bearings straight in life, especially when life is crappy. Many of the Psalms were written by King David, and many of them were filled with rants and frustrations and failures of David, both just before and even after and during his reign. They voice sometimes very candidly the troubles that David was having and and how he needed the Lord to rescue him or he would perish at the hands of his enemies if the Lord didn't bail him out. And sometimes he didn't feel very joyful or glad about how the Lord was helping him. Have you ever felt like that? Can you relate? Psalm 88, for instance. It's not a great psalm. Psalm 88, verses 1 to 8 David says, Lord, you are the God who saves me, yet day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry, for I am overwhelmed with trouble and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. Psalm 88 starts out hopeless and it ends hopeless. But the enthronement psalms, like Psalm 100, are different. They're prophetic in nature, and they're messianic in their hope, meaning that if you need rescuing, if you need anything from the Lord, the Lord promises to finally deliver those who worship him and remain loyal to him. So the implication is, 
Find your gladness in the sovereignty of your God, who is the Lord of lords and the God of gods, and come before him with joyful songs. And isn't that why we all need to come to church anyway? Even if we're not feeling it when we come, when we arrive, to be reminded, maybe even kind of prophetically, that through the songs that we sing and the others are singing, that our hope can be restored by the Lord. And we hope, and, and when hope is restored in the Lord, it will rekindle for us our gladness and our joy. That's how worship is a North Star, kind of a true North, get your bearings kind of help for believers. But understand that while singing with joy to the Lord is obviously commanded here, what's actually important is that you approach the the Lord. Not just how you approach the Lord, that is important, but what is of utmost importance is that you approach the Lord, is that you come before Him. It says come before Him, period. Worship is For you and for me and for all of us, coming before the king of heaven and earth. You and I might not feel like it at times when we arrive, but being here, surrounded by others who do feel it, by others who are ready to come before the Lord, that will help us to get there too. That's why we're the church and the people of God. To help one another come before the Lord in worship. In fact, weeks before each Sunday, we've already put a lot of time and prayer and preparation into choosing a direction and the kinds of songs we believe God will be glorified in, but also the kind of songs that we trust will help each of us, all of us, come before the Lord. And they're songs that we believe will help all of us, no matter where we're at, whether our our experience lately has been happiness or hell. As we sing together, all of us can have our hope and joy restored simply by being drawn along with the crowd in the awesome approach of God and be in his presence together. And once there, individually and together, we can commit, once again, we can go, Lord, today I am loyal to you. I worship you because you're worthy of it. You today are my king and I live it. Psalm 100 verses 1 to 2, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful song. I'm so glad Psalm 100 here starts out with a shout. Because sometimes I need to shout out what my head knows to be true, but maybe sometimes my heart is too heavy to actually feel it. Maybe you've been there. And now that we've been in the word of the Lord together, preparing our hearts, we're going to enter into this time of communion. We're going to be coming before the Lord a little differently. Yes, there will be some songs intermixed in it, but we're going to be receiving from the Lord something a little more unique, something a little special, the bread and the cup. Tells us at the end of one of the, the, the gospel uh, uh, retellings of, of the Lord's Supper, it says that Jesus and his disciples went out and they sang a hymn together. Maybe it was Psalm 100. Let's just say it was, okay? 
Maybe it was Psalm 100, and they went out with a shout, singing songs of joy to the Lord. I mean, this was the concluding time of Passover for them. And so they were all about God's freedom and deliverance from their enemies. And certainly they were shouting out their praises to God. I have no doubt that it was at least one of the enthronement psalms. Because the psalms were the songs that they lived by. The psalms were their hymnal for the Jews. That's all they knew. So maybe it was Psalm 100. In a moment, we're going to be singing, His mercy is more. Listen to some of the words. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morning. Our sins, they are many, but His mercy is more. Isn't that awesome news? That's good news to be joyful about. And the second song is shout to the Lord. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Let us sing power and majesty. Praise to the King. Mountains bow down, then the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I will sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you. Forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise that I have in you. Isn't that a great song of loyalty and worship to God? Let's enter into those with gladness, shall we? Peace.